You guys go and have a seat. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, who's had a great weekend thus far? Yeah. Seriously, such a blessing to be here with you guys uh, for the second go around. And, um, and that's cool, just having Albert as one of the senior leaders of uh, CA just come up and, and, and pray with you and, and lead us through that. There is something about that. I'll probably use this this time. That's a good place for it. I'll lean over and get it. There we go. Um, <laughs> thanks for making it as difficult as possible, sir. You're just, you're just here for me. Um, I looked at your bracelets in the back there, and I love that statement on it that uh, prayer works. And, and I talked about that uh, yesterday morning. Just the idea of prayer, guys, and, and there are going to be few things that will hold you. There will be few things that will uh, just guide you and, and strengthen you and fortify you in your walk with Jesus is that time that you spend to commune with him, to dialogue with him, and ask God just to really search the deepest parts of you as you search the deepest parts of him. There's nothing in this world that... Uh, really matches up to that. So that's my, that's my prayer for you guys. And, and I love, and we've sang that song all weekend, <clears throat> but that something's breaking. And man, I'm not in your community week by week to week, but what happened here last night, truly, I was just in my room last night, just thinking about that and, and just in awe of it, that, that something broke, something broke. It's, it's interesting. Uh, the Israelites when they were making their way out of Egypt and into the promised land. And I got 10% battery on this. That's going to be interesting. Um, uh, short talk. Uh, I'm going to shut this off while I'm rambling. But, uh, you know, one of the things that they did was whenever they would want to remember something, the leaders of the house, the leaders of the tribes would tell them to, to gather stones and make an altar. And make an altar. And, and typically there would be 12 stones, one stone for each uh, tribe. And, and it was a marker, an altar, and, and a visual point that whenever anyone would walk by it, they would ask the question, what happened here? What happened here? They would see that, 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 that mound of boulders and they would say, what happened here? And it gave an opportunity for someone to say, this is what happened here. When they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, they, they built these 12 stones. And for generations later, people go, what happened here? And, and though we don't have a physical altar, as you are leaving here as a deeper part of the body, you are the altar. You are the altar. And when you go back to your spaces and places, because of the work that's been done in you, because of the work that's happening in you, people will ask, what happened there? What happened there? And my prayer is that your life would be the testimony. Before your words, your life would be the testimony of the work that God did here. Oh, that's awesome, Bo. Thank you. As Bo's plugging that in, we've got it all together this morning. This is great. I'm going to do the pastor thing and pray so you can't watch that. Lord Jesus, thank you so much just for what you're doing in and through Fusion. Jesus, I pray that as we finish this weekend, Jesus, that you would just be that altar. 
You would be that altar that would just speak truth in us, Father God. And when we go down this hill, let us not leave here the same, but let us leave here on mission, on task, focused on you. We give this weekend up to you. We give all the life change that happened. And we are just expectant of what you're going to do. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, all God's people said. So uh, my wife likes to start the Christmas season in July. Do we have any of those weirdos in here? Yeah, there you go. You're not a weirdo. You're a great person. But uh, like Jen's just that person. She just starts Christmas super early. It's like, we, I'm not even kidding. We start playing Christmas music in my house uh, in October. And, uh, and she's a, a shopper too in terms of like, she's such a good gift giver. She wants to get ahead of it, get the best sales, get the best deals and all that kind of stuff. So Last year, year before last, Jen goes, hey, I found this deal on this bike, tricycle bike thing. Hey, I'm buying it, and we're going to have it, and it's going to get here. And when it gets here, I'd love for you to put it together for the kids. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can handle that. Right? She told me this in October when she buys it. And, you know, I get busy doing whatever it is I do, you know, watching football and stuff like that, and, and I forget to put the bike together. And I get home from our last of our 45 Christmas services, and it is 11.30 on Christmas Eve, and before Jen goes to bed, she says, hey, Carl, did you remember to put that bike together? That's like wife speak for going, hey, idiot, it's been three months. And I go, all right. Oh, yeah, I'm all over that. So I go in the garage, and I open up this box, and inside the box are all these pieces. And I pull out the instruction manual, and it looks a little bit like this. Go ahead and throw that up. And uh, I'm not very, like, mechanically inclined, okay? So this is, might as well have been, like, the blueprints for a space shuttle. Because I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And as I'm like sitting there in my garage, I just begin to ponder as I look at these pieces. And I start thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I gotta put this bike together. And after I'm done putting this bike together, I probably gotta go get a helmet because she's gonna need a helmet if she's gonna ride this bike. Where do I get a helmet? Maybe I'll go to Walmart or maybe I'll go to Dick's Sporting Goods. Maybe that's a better place to get a helmet. But once I get the helmet and the bike, now I gotta teach her how to ride a bike. I've never taught a kid how to ride a bike. So maybe I'll watch a YouTube video on how to help her ride a bike. <laughs> So, but after I help her ride her bike, then she's gonna start tasting freedom. And once she tastes freedom, she's gonna start acting up. I gotta get some books on parenting. Uh, but, but then once that whole thing happens, now she's in mobile and now next thing you know, she's gonna go to school. What kind of school are we gonna send her to? We're gonna send her to a private school. We're gonna send her to a Christian school. Christian schools are good, but kids at Christian school are weird. Uh, so what do I wanna do with that? Oh my, maybe we should homeschool. Oh Lord, I don't have the patience to homeschool. After she's done with that, then it's high, you know, get into high school. When she gets into high school, she's gonna bring a boy home. And now I gotta get a gun. I don't know what I feel about guns, but that's the only way I'm going to do. And then she's going to graduate. I got to teach her how to drive her car. Then she goes off to college. Then she goes off to college. Oh my God, where are we going to get this money to pay for this college? Oh gosh, should she say in state? Should she go out of state? What do we do with all these decisions? But then one day she's going to home from college and she's going to say, hey dad, I met this guy and I want to marry him. And then I got to take the gun that I bought a couple years ago and refresh my skills on it. And then I got to pay for this wedding for her. And then she has a sister. So I got to pay for both girls for the wedding. Oh my gosh, Jen and I don't have any money in our 401. We probably should start giving money to that. Man, I'm not going to put this bike together tonight. <laughs> and I didn't put that bike together. 
It sat in the garage for a year and a half. Oh, please, they got plenty of gifts. They're fine. Because I was just so overwhelmed. I knew what I needed to do. I knew what was next, but I was just overwhelmed. Is there anybody in the place that has ever sensed that feeling of, I am just overwhelmed? And then when we leave instances like this, where we've had these holy occurrences, where we've had these just moments where God has just been so real and just tangible, and it's like, oh my goodness, this feels so good. I wish I could stay here forever. But then you start thinking about tomorrow. You got to go back to work. You got to go back to your families, to your relationships, to all this stuff. And it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't take enough notes at the retreat. How am I going to deal with all of this? My friends, you are not alone. The disciples, the guys who followed Jesus around for three and a half years, the ones who, soot, who uh, sat at his feet while he gave the Sermon on the Mount, this discourse, when it was all said and done, they didn't know what to do either. They had been so focused. They had been so focused on their time with Jesus. They had been so focused on their community with Jesus that the idea or even the thought of what was to come next literally paralyzed them. After Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus dies on the cross. Jesus is buried in the tomb. Spoiler alert. He told them that all this stuff was going to happen. But even then, they're confused. They're tired. And they're afraid. And these guys go into hiding. The moments after Jesus dies on the cross, they go into hiding. They're in the upper room and, and the doors are locked because they don't know what to do next. And listen to me, my friends. If you're already starting to have that stirring in your heart and in your spirit that you don't know what to do next, you are in good company. But something happens, something changes. Because Jesus spends about 40 days on the earth as the fully resurrected God. And over these 40 days, before he ascends into heaven, he goes and he meets with his followers. He goes and meets with the disciples. And he starts talking to them and helping to usher in what comes next. But what I love that Jesus does is Jesus says, would you just stop and breathe? Would you just stop and breathe? In John chapter 21, it reads like this. This is just after Jesus is fully resurrected. 
Scripture says this. After Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it, seen, it, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shores, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you not have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, the fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord Jesus. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This now was the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he had raised from the dead. Three questions emerge from this passage, from this text. Three questions that I believe if you can accurately answer these before you head back down, they will help you catch your breath. They will help you get the ground underneath your feet. They will help you in your walk and journey with Jesus, not just at retreat, but in the everyday moments of your life. The first question is this, who do you need to spend time with? Who do you need to spend time with? I love that the, the, the heartbeat behind Fusion now is the idea that you are here to find your community. We want to help you find your community because when you don't uh, make a distinct effort to find your community, other communities will find you. Other things will find you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get these alerts on my phones, but I feel like the alerts sometimes look like this, right? Insecurity, like, hey, what's up? I'm here. Anxiety, oh, you, you, you at a retreat? You think you're good? I'm going to keep calling. Anxiety is persistent. <laughs> or is that depression? Like, I'll leave a voicemail. I'll catch you later. Where it feels like, oh, my goodness, like, am I spending time with the right people? Am I spending time with the right things? Verse 21, I mean, chapter 21, verse 1 and 3 says, after Jesus appeared again to the disciples, jumped down, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. These bozos had forgotten everything Jesus taught at the Sermon on the Mount. All of it, out the window. Oh my God, oh, I, I, but we're, we're done. But the one thing they remembered was the power of together. 
That's the one thing they remember. They're like, okay, at, at the end of the day, if we at least are together, we'll be all right. If we're at least in, in community, if we're at least in this fraternity, we will be all right. The disciples didn't have it all together. They didn't understand all the scriptures. They didn't understand the next coming of Jesus. They didn't understand even the things that they watched Jesus do over the last three and a half years. But they understood the power of with. For many of us, it's going to be the power of with that will hold you through in this next season. It will be the people that surround you that will hold you through in this next season. But can I tell you something about people? People are a problem. People are inconvenient. People are messy. People are annoying. People are time-consuming. But you need people. You need your people. And when life comes at you, if you're walking at it alone, that's when you become the most susceptible to the attacks of discouragement, of anxiety, of depression, of loneliness of anger, of guilt, shame, when there's no one there to remind you about what happened there. Who do you need to spend time with? The next question is, what is worth the risk? What is worth the risk? They're out there on the water and, and they throw the, uh, the nets and then Jesus says, okay, throw the nets on the right side. Everybody say the right side. Jesus says, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find something. And you know what they did? They did what Jesus told them to do. Jesus said, throw your nets on the right side. And they did what Jesus told them to do. Can I help simplify this Christian walk for you? It's not that hard. If Jesus says to do it, then do it. We make this a lot more complicated than it needs to be. If Jesus says to do it, then just do it. The first Nike quote. And when they do it, what happens? They catch a large number of fish. There is a greater reward. This isn't prosperity gospel. This is just how it works. There's a greater reward for their obedience. And so often, Jesus is being so clear to us about what the right side looks like, but we rather continually test the left side and the wrong side and the wrong relationships and the wrong friendships and the wrong vocation. We keep testing it on every other side except where Jesus tells us to go. Why, why do we do that? We, we do that because we're afraid of failing. I'm gonna try it my way because I am just afraid of failing. 46% of Americans will make New Year's resolutions. So for many of you, you're just in a couple, two months, you're gonna talk about how you're gonna change your life and you're gonna do all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. You know how, what percentage of people 
complete their New Year's resolutions? 8%. Everybody else quits. And you know why they quit? Not because it's too hard, because they're afraid of failing. Because we are afraid of failing. I love how Winston Churchill said this. Winston Churchill said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Some of us need to be courageous and say, God, I'm going to continue. I'm going con- to continue and I'm going to risk. I'm going to risk trying the simple things that you've told me to do. Listen, guys, this isn't like some big theological seminary level thing. Just do the simple things that God's asked you to do. Be in community. Be with one another. He talks about the idea of fellowshipping with one another. Keep it simple. Pray on the right side. Just pray. Just say, I'm going to have a conversation with God. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It doesn't have to be in the night. Do it whenever you want to. But just say, God, I'm going to spend some time talking to you. Get in your word. Get in the Word. Open up the Bible. You don't have to read multiple chapters. and mo- Read one verse. Read one verse. And it doesn't have to look all cute on your Instagram with, uh, with uh, the candle and all the markers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you don't need all that. There's one verse. Sense and all types of things. And if you're a... If you're a a seasoned believer, why don't you risk investing in someone? Why don't you risk investing in somebody here in the fusion community and and move out of the season of being a a taker and move into the season of being a giver? Where it's like, it's not up to Sarah, it's not up to PSA, it's not up to uh, Chris, it's not up to these guys to be the only disciple makers here. Some of you have been walking in this community for many years. It's your time. And it's, it's, listen, there's nothing wrong about setting up. We all have giftedness. And there's nothing wrong with like setting up beautiful things back here and, and, and packing bags and all that. All that stuff is good. It's necessary things to happen. But what we need is more disciple makers. We need disciples who are making disciples who make disciples. If, you're, if, you're, if you've been walking this walk for a little while, be that person that's saying, listen, I'm going to risk embarrassment. I'm going to risk not knowing everything to invest in someone in this community so that they can become a disciple who are making other disciples. Risk it. Third question. What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to leave behind? Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John who actually wrote the book, and it's weird that he calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved. Seems arrogant to me. But the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for it was taken off. I'm going to just nerd out for a little moment. Okay, this is an apologetic statement. For those of you who have a hard time with the Bible, don't believe it's true. Right here. Uh, when he says that he wrapped his outer garment around him, you don't need that in the story. But the reason the writer put that in the story was to prove the fact that he was actually there. If you're looking for reasons to say, why is the Bible real? Is the Bible true? Like little things like that, these little apologetic statements happen all throughout scripture to show the inherency and the truth of the Bible. That's the sermon. That one was for free. So he wrapped his outer garment around him before he had taken it off and jumped in the water. He jumps into the water. See, Peter 
live in an agrarian society, an agriculture society, and one of the things that Peter did to survive to make his living was fish. He was a fisherman. That wasn't his only job. Sometimes we get that twisted. Like these people did everything. You'd live the holistic life. But the majority of what he did was to be a fisherman. And what happens here after Jesus dies, after Jesus is resurrected, Peter goes back to what he was doing before. He went back to his old life. Like many of you, in a few weeks, you're going to go back to your old life. Because your old life is comfortable, you understand it, you know what to do in it, even if it's not the right thing and the best thing for you. But here Peter sees Jesus in all of his glory. And he jumps out and he goes to Jesus. And you know what's interesting? This is the last time in scripture that we see Peter fishing, occupationally fishing. He left behind his old life. He decided that enough was enough and he was gonna change. He was gonna quit the stuff that kept him in the past that kept him in his old life. I love the way that Bob Goff says this. We can't quit much. Excuse me. We can't change much if we don't quit much. Things in your life aren't going to change until you're ready to quit some things. Until you're ready to quit some things. Bob says it like this. Quit keeping score. Keep, quit keeping score. Quit believing you are who you used to be. Quit letting others, people decide who you are. Quit everything that's not helpful. Quit sorting through your failures. There's a million ways I could preach this, but the moment I said, what do you need to leave behind? That thing popped up in your head. You know what it is. You know what it is. It's a relationship. It's a habit. Maybe it's over drinking. Maybe it's smoking. These are little things that seem small to us. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a filthy mouth. Maybe it's a lustful heart. Maybe it's a greedy heart. Maybe it's a deeper secret sin that no one knows about besides you. But what do you need to leave behind so that you can move forward in your walk, so that you can move forward in your journey with Jesus Christ? Now, friends, I'm going to tell you this. It wasn't all rose petals and lollipops for the disciples when they decided to take seriously their journey with Jesus. But those difficult moments, those difficult seasons are in fact where Jesus refined them more and more, where the Spirit of God got them alone, and did something supernatural in them, and he wants to do the same in you. Speaker and author Jonathan Martin says it like this, and I love this. I use this quote all the time. We think we wander into desolate places by accident when God has actively conspired to get you there to have you all to himself. Those of you who signed up for this retreat late and you just strolled up. I was talking to my homie last night, right? Then he's like, hey, I just came up. You thought you wandered in here accidentally when God had been actively conspiring to get you here, to have you all to himself so that he could do a new thing in you. Here's my application for you guys. 
In search of the miracle, don't miss the meal. In search of this and what's happened over the last 72 hours or so, in search of these breakthroughs and these miracles, don't miss the meal. Don't miss those small, seemingly mundane moments where Jesus meets you face to face, where Jesus gets eyeball to eyeball, knee to knee with you. Don't miss those moments. Verse 12 and 14 says, come and have breakfast. Jesus doesn't say, go walk on water. He doesn't say, go heal lepers. He doesn't say, go, 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 you know, do something out of this world. He says, come and have breakfast with me. He wanted to meet them in the ordinary. He wants to meet you in the ordinary. God is a provider, and he is daily wanting to invest in you. He is daily wanting to see you grow. He is daily wanting to see you become more and more like his son, Jesus. But it's not going to happen on literal mountaintops like this. It's going to happen in your car on the way to work. It's going to happen in that cubicle. It's going to happen in that Bible study, in that small group. It's going to happen in the coffee shop on Sunday nights. It's going to happen in these seemingly mundane places that the real breakthrough is going to take form. But when we're hustling and bustling and trying to solve all the things on our own, we'll miss those moments. We'll miss all the words of the Sermon on the Mount, the unexpected things that God wants to do in and through us. If we don't take a moment to breathe in the goodness of Jesus. To think about who are the right people to ha have around us. To think about what are the things that we need to leave behind. What are the things we need to risk for the sake of the kingdom and our growth. Do me a favor, close your eyes. And just take a deep breath. In your nose, out your mouth. Go ahead, do it again, just a deep breath. It's so wonderful the way that God's built us. That we have these little beating muscles inside of our chests. This blood going through our veins that every time we breathe in, we oxygenate, oxygenate those cells, and, and it gives life to us. It gives purpose to us. It gives so much to us, and it's, it's in this moment where we just breathe them in, breathe them out. In the confusion, in the chaos of our days, in the moments we don't understand, we, we breathe in and we breathe out. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to understand every page of the book but we're just with him and we breathe in and we breathe out. He meets us right where we are. He brings the right people around us. We breathe them in and we breathe them out. He tells us what's worth risking for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of his cross, and we breathe them in and we breathe them out. He tells us what to leave behind so we can grab, grapple with more of him. We breathe it in and we breathe it out. Father God, I pray 
that you would be made known in this community in such a way, Father God, that lives would be changed. Not by sermons or songs, Lord Jesus, but by communities of faith, Lord God. By young men and young women finding their purpose in you. Jesus, may you make it so clear to us who we need to put into our lives, what we need to risk to be more like you, and what are the things that we need to leave behind because they are hindering us from grasping onto you. We leave this moment with a deep breath and all of your goodness. In your name we pray. All God's people said.